Welcome to Not Meddling, Just Mothering. We are going through finding joy in the empty nest, and this week is our final week, the final three chapters, and we hope you enjoy. Take a listen. Well, hey, Missy, how are you today? Hey, doing awesome. I'm home from work early, and it's Friday, and I need it. (laughs) But I'm home from work early because my refrigerator went out and we had to get a new one on Wednesday. And then my microwave literally broke in my hand and we had to get it delivered today. So thank you, God, for new appliances. But <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, my gosh, she's in such a cheery mood after having to replace two major appliances. Well, one minor, one major. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's good. So how about now we just go on and do our wins? What do you think? Uh, perfect. But. I couldn't limit it to just one kid. I you never can. <laughs> no, it's okay. If you have wins, go ahead and declare them. I know. And this is not a bragamony. You know, in church they say, give us your testimony. And then people stand up. And then I got a new Lexus. And then my husband bought me a diamond ring. And, you know, so I, you and I always talk about how sometimes you sit in the blessing seat and sometimes you sit in the cursing seat and you're you're like, God, get me out of the curses and get me back into the blessing. But it's funny. My, my broker said it the other day. He said, if everybody was beautiful, then nobody would be beautiful because everybody would just be normal. And if every day was perfectly sunny with a little bit of breeze, then there would be no good days because they would all be perfect. So you have to have some bad so that when the good ones come along, you're like, I mean, I made it to a good day. <laughs> so, um, so my very biggest win is that on April 15th, one of my children hit one full year of sobriety. And that oh, is a awesome. really big deal. Cause, cause one year ago, when I heard what had happened and the DUI and everything, I just, No, I'm not super spiritual, but I just stopped and said, thank you, God. One, nobody got hurt. And two, my child is still alive. And three, thank you for them getting caught because they have to make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to to change change their life. Yeah. So, so that is so big of a deal because it's, It hasn't been an easy year for them, for any of us, but I'm proud of, you know, how hard it takes because, I mean, look at how many times I said I'm not going to have a cookie and then somebody offers me a donut. (laughs) Right. When it comes to sugar, I have no sobriety, you know, no no coins earned. (laughs) I am a bummer at that. But so I can't imagine what it's like when you're using it to cope and then you know, it's, it's somehow you find the strengths somewhere else. So, and then that's great. And then my son-in-law passed some IT certification that he needed. He's getting out of the military and he passed the certification. So now he can get a job in IT and so many, but then my grandson who is <laughs> two and a half years old, I went to babysit him this week and I walked in the door and hugs all around. And he said, Grandma, I love you. And I'm like, I didn't even know he could talk. But he oh, put a whole sentence together. 
That's awesome. <laughs> I, that is so good. And that's appropriate for this episode because we are going to be closing with the grandparent chapter at the end of this episode. Yeah, and so. then we're going to pray and lay hands over you so that if your kids don't make babies, you'll make your own, Asha. <laughs> and no, yeah. more, no more babies for me. Grandbabies. I want grandbabies. <laughs> Let me go ahead and share my win. So my win has to do with my youngest son and his girlfriend. I know she's not my daughter-in-law yet, but close enough, right? So anyway, he has been helping her with a project she's had for over a year, wanted to do. She wrote a song and they just finished producing it and she's going to be releasing it tonight, which is Friday night because we're recording on Friday. And she said that I could use it on the podcast and, and share a little snippet of it with everybody. So I'm excited about it. The thing is, I'm excited that my son really helped her a lot as far as he did photos for her and he did a little video for her. And I think they hired a producer, but he's helped her with rehearsing. And as a matter of fact, she had a show on Saturday at the coffee and wine bar that he works at. His boss let her, she did like some cover songs and she debuted the song that she's releasing today. <laughs> so, so it went awesome. really, I know it went really well. There was like maybe 30, 30 people and it's a small coffee house, uh, wine house. So, so she was really excited that, that she got to yeah. have awesome. that experience. Well, if you had known beforehand, you could have told him and then afterwards go up and get on your knee and hand her that ring. Oh my gosh, I can never talk him into that kind of stuff. I don't know what he's waiting for, but uh, he must have a good reason anyway. <laughs> yeah, no no pressure, no pressure right. from the moms. <laughs> but he has been consistently encouraging her to follow her passions. And I think that's a real win. And that shows that it's not just all about me in that relationship, that they're supporting one another. So I really appreciate that even before they're married. <laughs> so that's my win today. But anyway, we are going to discuss today the final two chapters of our Finding Joy in the Empty Nest series. So we're going to be talking today about the final three chapters. Chapter eight, Empty Nest Friendships, Reach Out and Reconnect. Chapter nine, Single Parent, Empty Nest. And chapter 10, How to Be the Grooviest Grandparent in Town. So. <laughs> Let's get started because it's a lot of content, but it's it's going to be very good. Yeah. Well, it was hard making these notes because there was so much content. I'm like, I don't want to leave this out. It's good. I don't want to leave this out. And then I just thought, you know what? They're just going to have to get the book for themselves. There's just, we can't cover it all. It's just oh, yeah. Especially this is kind of just, we just want to give them a tool for their life, right? Yep. Absolutely. Chapter eight is called like, you just said empty nest friendships, reach out and reconnect. And this is such a great title for two people who have been friends for so long. 32 right. years. 30 it hasn't years. been that long. <laughs> really? <laughs> it hasn't. And then I just showed you that picture that I found from, it says, my trip to Chuck E. Cheese from May third 2006 and no we weren't there by ourselves we were with our children we are you sure it wasn't our <laughs> girls night 
No, oh, yeah, that was when we had our babies. Oh, yeah, since babies. It's two days before my daughter's birthday, so it could have been could have been a birthday party. Gosh, I don't know. I had shorter hair. You had longer hair, right? Well, I had less hips. You had less hips. So yeah, yeah we're <laughs> going to have to put that on the website or on social media so people can know what we're talking about. Yeah. So I think Dr. Burns said it right when he says, principle eight is the keys to a happy life is strong friendships and a support system. Yeah, definitely. And he goes on to say that it's quality friendships that made the huge difference in the successes of the transition for many of the people that he spoke to. And he's interviewed lots of people. And he said, sometimes the adult children were doing well and sometimes they weren't doing so well, but the common denominator was the quality friendships. And I would agree with that. I know that it's true for me and I have been struggling recently because as most of you know, I'm the one who left the nest and my husband (laughs) and I have only a couple of folks here that we have been able to reach out to locally because we're still building our community. I can tell you that when I have something scheduled with a few people close to me here, I really feel it when they have to cancel. Yeah, Thinking of going to our place can be like really depressing. And don't get me wrong about that. I enjoy our place and, and in solitude every once in a while. But it's a big difference from what I used to do or how it was at home. When my kids were at home, we had people over all the time. Kids had their friends and things like that. And when I have people around me, I'm filled up. I'm not an introvert in that way that I have to retreat to get more energy. I get energized when I'm around people. And so when I'm having to come home and be by myself, it's like I can take it for a little while, but I'm like, oh, I need some people and I, <laughs> I'll call you, Missy, or whatever, and, yeah. and then I'll get re-energized. And that's the thing about empty nest, though, Asha, is that if our husbands are not in the mood to snuggle to hug to talk (laughs) sometimes my husband's like sweetie could we i'm so tired like i can't and i'm like i get it i'm talking too much (laughs) yeah yeah you know that's but when we had our kids around they bump into us they touch us they play with our hair you know it's just different exactly 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 and there's a danger if i'm not intentionally building the community that I might become anxious and depressed and hate where I'm at. And, I, and I've experienced that kind of this week. We had something scheduled this week and the people that we had it scheduled with canceled on us. And so I was like, oh, I just felt like I don't want to just go home. I'm just so sad. So my husband took me to a movie, which is not, not the same as being around a lot of people, but at least we didn't have to come to the little, you know, our little walls, yeah, yeah, a little basement down in the down underground and stay stuck here. So I just appreciated that about him that he recognized that and he said, "Let's just go to a movie." Then I was like, "Okay, let's do that." And there was people there, even though we weren't connecting with them, but there was people around. So it's a it's a whole thing with me, and that yeah. might be weird, but no, it's it's not weird. What I thought when I was reading that chapter is that it's heartbreaking. When he says that more than 42 million Americans over the age of 45 say that they suffer from chronic loneliness. Yeah. Asha, the saddest part is that many of these lonely people are married. Yeah. I, I remember saying that in my first marriage just because I was so busy with the kids. And then if 
the relationship wasn't on point or we were both busy and I felt lonely. I'm like, gosh, I can be lonely all by myself. Like I don't have to be married to be lonely. <laughs> I can. And, and some people may feel that way too. It's like, it's so lonely and just sense that your spouse cannot be your only friend. Yeah. Because they cannot give to you 24 seven and you cannot give to them 24 seven. So being married and lonely is not, it's not one person's fault and you should get a divorce. That's not what I'm saying. It's a reality that you can still feel lonely, even if you're attached to somebody. Yeah. 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 I agree. And we really do need other relationships to support us and for us to pour into so that we feel needed as well. That's what our kids were, you know, when they were here, when they were around. And we need to be able to share things that we have in common that we may not have in common with our spouses, like hobbies and also someone that we can hold each other accountable. I think yeah. that's very important besides our spouse. Yeah. And okay, so I'm going to tell a story. I don't want people to get offended or try to figure out, like, read into it. <laughs> so it's a kind of a funny story, but. I work in an office with, there's actually like 12 or 13 of us, but only five come almost every day and then another two or three come, you know, haphazardly. Well, the people in the office, except for me, they're all men and they're all happily married, you know, healthy marriage men. They're fine. I come in. I'm one of the few women until the other women come in. I don't care how I fix my hair what new lipstick I'm wearing, the perfume my husband just bought me. All day long, I'm with these happily married men. They only talk about business with me. You know, we're friendly, but we just do that. But when the other women agents come into the office, then we see each other and we say, I love your shoes. Is that a new ring? Oh my gosh, did you get your hair cut? And, and we compliment each other and we have friendship communion. And mm -hmm. If one of the guys in the office started noticing my shoes and did you cut your hair and mm, your perfume smells great, I would start getting uncomfortable and nervous. I right. don't want them to notice me like that. But when you're with girlfriends and you're a girl, and when you're with guy friends and you're a man, there is something about that. There's a blessing that the opposite sex just doesn't get, you know, right. doesn't get you like that. So that's what's the same with the spouse. Not not exactly, but as blessing as a relationship is with your spouse, go get same sex friendships because right. they bring value to your life. I agree totally. So let's look at Proverbs eighteen twenty four. It says, "One who has an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother or a sister." Yeah. <laughs> um, that's Missy's paraphrase. I need reliable friends and the ones I have, I love dearly. Sometimes I just need someone to listen when I'm having issues with my husband. And then that person to remind me, you love him. He loves you. You're just probably both tired and stressed out. And that actually happened this week, to be honest. I had a friend, I'm like, I just, I can't believe we're going to Europe and we're just like so disconnected. And she's like, I'll go with you <laughs> if he doesn't want to go. And she was teasing. But she said, you know, you guys are probably just really tired. You've both been working super hard. And and I 
I just had to stop and say, yeah, what am I doing? But it feels good and it feels safe to talk to somebody who says, you guys are probably just tired and strengthens my marriage instead mm -hmm. of, oh, I know. And, and you should probably divorce them for that. <laughs> right. That's not the kind of friend you need. You know, it's not a reliable friend from the Proverbs. Yeah, that's exactly right. I have friends that are also accountability people for me and that I can confess things to. Dr. Burns discusses this as well. In James 5.16, we're told, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is a really powerful thought when I read this again. I mean, I've read it before, but just when I read it in the notes, I was thinking, this is such a powerful thought. Confession brings healing. And the obvious is that you're healed from the anxiety that comes from having hidden secrets or sin because you're letting someone in on it and they can hold you accountable. Also, the depression that might follow from that or, or hook onto you because of that. But I, I think there's also something that could break in the physical as well, that you can be healed because of a lot of the physical ailments we have are caused by anxiety and stress and all that kind of stuff. So I just thought that was really powerful that we are healed through that confession. We yeah. need those people to be able to share our, our hearts with and, and to hear from them as well. It's funny because yesterday I have a boss who is not saved. At first I thought he was an atheist, but he's like, no, I believe something's out there. But yesterday it was like the end of the day. And he said, so what do you believe? What's going to happen to us when we die? And I said, well, some of us are going to heaven and some of us are going to hell. <laughs> and then, but, but then the conversation, he went back to talking about work or whatever. But I was thinking later, the only difference between he's accepted Jesus and who hasn't is, is the willingness to humble yourself and to say, I am wrong and you are right and I need help and you are my helper. And it's the same thing with this confession. It's really just saying, I, I'm doing something that I know is wrong and I just need to tell you. I just need to tell you that I hear myself talking hormonally to my husband and it doesn't sound nice. And I just need you to pray for me because I'm having trouble not snapping at him or not right. being irritated. Like my daughter was saying, when I get irritated and I'm grumpy, I realize either my clothes are too tight or I'm hot or I'm, you know, something's, I'm hungry and I haven't eaten. And I'm like, yeah, same thing at 50. You know, she's 25. Right. The same thing with me. I stop and I can realize like I'm having a hot flash and that's why he just asked me to do something. And I'm like, do it yourself, <laughs> you know, because right. I'm having a problem, a physical, you know, manifestation to the emotion and the hormones. So I think those are the things, you know, I just, I used to pray about PMS and now I'm older and I pray for my menopause and my <laughs> yeah. And I need, I need my friends, you know, because don't you remember PMS? Like, yeah, we used to like, we, we were not ourselves and yeah, I'm not making excuses, but I was not myself. No, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I'm right there with you. I've even reached out to you just this last week and told you, I need you to pray for me right now because I'm having all these 
you know, and it was because I, I could feel, I can, you know, in your body when your hormones are off, you know, at least yeah. I do. I can tell when, okay, there's something, it's my hormones, you know, because if I can't find something that'll fix it right away, I know it's just the hormones are, are not right. So I always lift up that, that in prayer, God, oh, my hormones, because I don't want to yell at my husband or be grumpy or, or cry all day or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, he also talks about small groups. And didn't you guys say that you were joining in a small group? Or I think you said you might be starting one, right? Yeah. So we weren't planning on starting one, but all of the ones in our area were full. Oh. So we volunteered to start one. We were going to do it like every other weekend. So we had one visitor so far. And then we got invited to this thing called Discover Groups. And it's where they kind of like incubate them in the main church building. And then from there, they go out and have a small group. So so we decided since we only had that one guest that one time, we should go back to the incubation and try to start it out. But it's just that little bit of community because we go to such a big church. Are you guys part of a small group? Well, we haven't committed to a church community, but we're narrowing it down right now. And so we haven't joined a small group for a church, but we do have the small group with our Colorado House of Prayer, which includes all of the leadership team. And we meet regularly. And it's just comforting to know that we can share our lives and our wins and our struggles and be able to pray for each other and encourage each other and things like that. I'm really big on small groups because it's one way to be able to establish that tight-knit community instead of just going to a huge church and just being there one day a week and then nothing else during the week yeah well it's so funny because the small group that we like we had that one guest and it was a young woman she it said she was 26 and so I was like oh my gosh I have a single son who's 26 you always do that yes. This is God's will. I'm going to start the small group. We're going to disciple our daughter-in-law future. And hallelujah, praise the Jesus. I'm gonna, we're going to get us a daughter-in-law. And it was so funny because then, because the, the way you do it is you have to call them and just tell them, find out, make sure that, you know, you feel safe them in your house. And then you give them the address, all of that. And so I was talking to her and she's like, yeah, we live, he's up the street a little bit. And I said, oh, you do, you and your parents, you and your roommate? She goes, my husband. I'm like, ah, well, welcome. <laughs> because cause it's my theory that if we had a daughter-in-law from Jacksonville, Florida, then our son would move down from Charleston yeah. and be near us over here. Yeah. So <laughs> That's so funny. You are so fun. I know. I'm looking for love in all the right places. And if they go to church and want to be in a small group, that could be right. I'm, I want to be in love with a daughter-in-law too. So I'm just praying for her. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> she's, she's coming in. Yeah. Okay. So we know we need good quality friends and friends beyond our spouse. Nobody yell amen right there. But what if you're single and facing an emptiness? Well, good news. That's exactly what chapter nine is about. Single Parent Empty Nest. That's the title of chapter nine. And principle number nine, let go even when you want to hold on. What a concept, right? 
Well, married or single, I think lots of us mamas want to hold on even when we should let go. I'm, I mean, I just visit them for the weekend and I, I have to tell you, it's especially hard though when you're so close to your children as a single parent, right? Because I, I go and visit and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> well, when you're a single parent, both you and that becoming an adult child right, are losing their best friendship because you guys have been right, together. Right. You faced the hardships, you did what it took, and you're still that. So it's it's not just losing that, but it's definitely a big change. Yeah. He talks about the grieving. And so for single parents, first, it's either the death or divorce of the spouse. You've lost a spouse, so you form a deeper bond with your child because it's now you and them against the world. So that's what you are talking about, how they get that closeness. And then your adult child walks out the door because they're all grown and it's time for them to start their own life. Yeah, that's got to be hard. It definitely takes a special grace from God because the transition of energy, joy, companionship, chores, (laughs) chore deviation, I should say, and family to a quiet, empty house can probably feel overwhelming. Yeah. And Dr. Burns in the next section talks about empty house, empty bank account. Maybe the the single parent loses child support or has to help with college and the spouse doesn't want to or won't or there is not a spouse there to help because they've lost him because they've passed away. It's really a lot for a single parent. Yeah. Well, I'm laughing at empty house, empty bank account because whether you're married or single... (laughs) <laughs> when your kids right. first go to college, you have a lot of a lot of expenses. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it's a lot for us. Yeah. So can you imagine for a single parent? It's yeah. just really a lot. God, God, please have mercy on single parents. So he mentions a single mom named Diane and says, "Here are two great lessons that she had learned. One, you can't please everyone all the time, which financially this is really important. And two. Don't be afraid to talk about money with your adult kids. And he's right. We need to be honest and just say, you know what? I I have to get my own right now. We have a carburetor that went out or I don't even know if we have carburetors anymore. I think that's on old cars, (laughs) but I don't know because I don't know anything about mechanics, but we have a transmission out. We have a new fridge. I'm sorry. I can't buy you those shoes or pay off your credit card. The whole book in my mind is is talking to parents of adult children about putting on their own oxygen mask. Asha, he puts things in there like, oh, if the adult children are doing well or not, you should still have good friendships. That'll change everything for you. Oh, you need to spend time on yourself. You need to do things that you like. You need to go on trips. But he's talking about us, and we know there's a whole flip side to that. How are our kids doing? Because, but he's not talking about our kids in this. In this book, he's talking about loving ourselves. Right. There's a section in this chapter called Moving Forward, and he gives five steps. The first one is remember that your children haven't left your life. It's not the end. It's just a new beginning, and it's a change that you just have to adapt to. Number two is as you reinvent the relationship, avoid leaning on your adult children for emotional support. I think this is also for us that have spouses, not just for single parents, because of the bond that they form because they're alone together, that that's why I think he emphasizes it here. 
And I know that I have to be careful with this one in this season because I've felt like since I've moved here, I've had all this stuff going on and I'm like, I just want to share with my daughter or my, you know, usually my daughter or my son, my oldest son sometimes and like what's going on. And, and I can't do that, put it on them because then it's kind of like, man, all you talk about when you call is all the stuff you're dealing with. And I don't want to hear that really, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then number three is work out flexible ways to stay in touch. Then number four is reactivate your social life. This is the idea of the single parents starting to date if they haven't been thus far and finding love, as well as those friendships that we have been talking about that are really crucial to being able to have a successful empty nest season. And number five, practice healthy doses of self-care. And we've talked about this, I think, for Missy on a previous episode about taking care of ourselves so that we can be happy to be able to serve others as well. No, absolutely. And at the end, he gives 21 great ideas for self-care. And this wraps up all of this like a bow for me. And we're headed into my favorite chapter, chapter 10, (laughs) how to be the grooviest grandparent in town. Principle 10, your greatest impact just might be with your grandchildren. Yeah, I can see why this is your favorite chapter because you're a grandma. (laughs) I'm not a grandma yet, but the section on legacy and love reminds me of the relationship my father and mother had with my kids. And my mom still has it. My dad is no longer with us, but he had a great impact on my kids. And they were inspired in different ways by him. And they continue to be inspired by mom. One of the examples I want to share is a poem written by my youngest son. And it's the funniest thing because I just found this written on, scribbled on a piece of paper. And I looked at it and I'm like, what what inspired you to do that? And he says, oh, that's grandpa. I'm like, oh, it is grandpa. The poem is called Peaches and Honey Buns. And it starts off, treat her right, give her your life, make people smile. It'll be worthwhile. Do good, don't give up when it gets tough. Have honor and pride, remember to look up. Do your best, son, don't forget the peaches and honey buns. I'm like, wow, my dad loved peaches and honey buns. So that's the thing that that I was like, as soon as he said that, I was just like in tears because I'm like, oh, but the other stuff is just such quality insight that he said, This is what he learned from my dad. So I just so appreciate that. And it it just shows the legacy that he's left. And and, um, hopefully one day when I have grandkids, I might be able to inspire such poems. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful legacy and poem. And uh, I remember your father and I remember your father and mother together and they loved each other and he treated her like a queen. I mean, Mm -hmm. just... She could be rah, 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 in her little high heels, like my mom, you know, right? But he would sit there on the can, like, calm. You know, she could run circles around him, but he he just was in love with your mother. Right? I see the same thing in my parents and my kids' relationship. Years ago, when my adult kids, you know, had some rebellious or they were smarter than me or they were mad at me, somehow when Wello and Wella called or showed up, and held them accountable, 
they still garnered respect from my kids. You know, like they're like, oh, mom, you don't know. But it, well, when I said it, they're like, OK. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and I was grateful for that, even though I wasn't the recipient of all of their all of their uh, respect and love sometimes because they were like, oh, what does mom know? They definitely had that for their grandparents. And my favorite part of this chapter 10 is the part that's entitled, What Can I Do to Help? And this is so great, Asha. I look forward to solving my kids' and grandkids' problems. I love it when they come to me for advice. Not that I know everything, but it gives me, like, I said to my husband, this is happening to this one. Let's pray. Let's pray for them. Obviously, this hasn't solved. Or I see something going on spiritually that I could lecture them about it, or I could just pray. And then the opportunities where I was buying them shoes last week when the grandkids were here and they said grandma could we have socks too because all we have is the long socks and we don't like how that looks with shorts and i'm like yes you can have socks too (laughs) it's just it's my joy to get to spend our money on them and to more than just the gifts that you can give your grandkids he talks about the three key needs of children and that's a secure love a significant purpose and a sufficient hope if if you could do anything is to somehow communicate the hope we have in jesus to your grandchildren then then the socks and the shoes and the vacations none of that will even matter they will pale in comparison to giving that sufficient hope to your grandchild yeah that's so good i really like that and he lists a couple of things, a few things for, for grandparents and how to influence our grandchildren. He has a list of four things. First, speak the blessing, which is Proverbs eighteen twenty one. The tongue has the power of life and death. So when you're speaking life, then you're speaking blessing. And then number two is believe the blessing. The power of showing belief in your grandchildren and adult children may have more power than just words. One example I thought of personally, Missy, is for my youngest son. And isn't it interesting that he's the one, I think he's like the focus of our episode today. <laughs> Everything I've talked about is him. Oh, and, and I wanted him to, to, to give her a ring when they said <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. right. Um, so um, my youngest son, when he was a teenager, you know, he decided he wanted to be an actor. And I'm only saying him because I don't have grandchildren to give examples of yet. But anyway, when he decided to pursue acting in his teens, his dad and I didn't just tell him we believed in him. We also contributed and invested in him financially. We got him acting lessons. We got headshots. And we encouraged him in that way also. Sometimes you got to put your money where your mouth is, you know, yeah. as well. Yeah. And number three, be the blessing. Proverbs ten nine. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. So be an example that you want to see in them and mentor them as well. We want to leave clear tracks. That's how he puts it. Leave clear tracks of how and where they should walk. This doesn't mean that we have to be perfect, but if we can acknowledge our weaknesses, our shortcomings, and our sins, instead of trying to hide them, that way our mistakes can be teaching moments and they can see us as like, oh, they're actually transparent and they're authentic and and they want us to learn from what they've done. And it's not like they're just telling us 
do as I say and not as I do. And then the fourth one, which is the last one, is celebrate the blessing. It's a way of acknowledging and lifting up moments like rite of passage, like birthdays or milestones. And a couple of ideas that we have done with our kids, well, and an idea that we've done with our kids, and of course I'm using our kids because I don't have grandkids again, right? (laughs) Is we marked puberty as a rite of passage by taking them on a trip and going through this book called The Passport of Purity, and it had some CDs and stuff we listened to. So they could, it, it actually helps you instead of having the, you know, the birds and bees talk by yourself, this helps you to, and, and it doesn't make you feel like, oh, my face is turning so red telling my kid this, but, but, you know, somebody else telling it and you can just answer questions after and it's really good. And doing fun things also while we were doing that, we didn't just do that, sit down and do that. We went, like I said, on a trip and my daughters, I I went with my daughters. So my oldest daughter chose a concert of a band that she liked. And we stayed overnight and we went to the concert and we listened on the way to the concert. And then we talked more about it on the way back home. And then my youngest daughter chose SeaWorld. And so we went to SeaWorld. And as we were driving there, we stayed the night and we listened as well. And then coming up back, we listened and we talked as well. So it's really cool to be able to mark these big events in their life or milestones. My son's graduation is coming up soon. And so my husband has had some ideas to mark that. And maybe I can share that next time as a win. So (laughs) I won't go into that anymore (laughs) for now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we get to a part, Asha, in the book that I personally have experienced. Yes, I get all the joys, like my win of my grandchild saying, Grandma, I love you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's only two and a half. He, he said a whole sentence and it involves me. I love it. <laughs> I, I feel like a superstar. But it's called Grandparenting Through the Tough Times. And the verses he highlights are so good. Proverbs 71, 17 and 18. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And isn't that beautiful? It is awesome. I love it. Because it's like, don't, don't take me yet. Let me do my one job and it's to, you know, to leave a legacy, a spiritual legacy. So even if your adult children are struggling, you can still share the power of God with your grandchildren. And I don't know everybody who listens, but you you may have gone through an adult child that has an addiction, an adult child who's faced serious health problems, an adult child who's gone through divorce, job loss, self-esteem problems, and you can still be that grandparent, you know, that is that is touching the lives of your grandchildren. Right. Sometimes your children may not listen or you may not think they're listening and your grandchildren may be more receptive. But you can always know, though, that no matter who you speak to, your grandchildren or your children, you're always planting seeds. So don't stop planting seeds. Just continue to do that. And Mm -hmm. and it does leave a legacy. Yeah. So in the South, there's these billboards that say Jesus saves. Or Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins. Or Jesus said, be born again. I don't know who's putting them out, but hallelujah, praise Jesus. We're stuck in traffic 
actually says. So I was driving with my grandchildren, taking the older ones back to North Carolina. And we saw one, Jesus said, be born again. And my granddaughter turns to me, she goes, born again? What does that mean? And I started to explain, you know, the way we're born, we're in sin and we need to make a change. We can't do it by ourselves. And I said to my grandchildren, have you ever gotten in trouble with mom and dad? And they say, just go to your room, go to bed. And you lay down and you say, tomorrow, I'm not going to fight anymore. And I'm going to obey mom and dad. I'm going to try harder. And they all said, yeah. And I said, so do adults. And when we wake up, we put our clothes on, we brush our teeth, and we do it all over again. <laughs> and they said, just, just like kids. And so, yeah. you know, we started to talk about sin and, and our best intentions and secret sins. That, like they were telling me a story of a friend who broke the family iPad, you know, probably another six or seven-year-old friend, and stuck it under the couch. And so when the parents find it, he's going to say, I don't know who broke it. It's been under the couch. You know, so my grandkids, they're four, seven and eight. They know that they need, they have a, a hole where they try to do their best. And it's just not reaching what God says is our best. And so it's, you're right. It's, it's so fascinating. Like we can really touch that generation and give them something intentional towards serving God and having a relationship with him. Exactly. Yeah, that's really good. Now, Dr. Burns also talks about long-distance grandparenting and intentionally connecting with them regularly. I know you do this. You always talk about it. But what is your experience with it since you're already a grandma? Because I can't talk into this. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't do it as well as I could. I mean, I go and I get them and we spend time, but I don't, I don't call them you know, on a regular basis. Like sometimes we make a little video for them and they watch it. Just me and grandpa, we're telling them we love them or whatever. But I do try to go, even though they're three to five hours away at any given time, whichever grandkids, six hours sometimes. We, we try to go get them and try to find ways to spend time with them and um, just, just listen for things that might encourage them. In, like when my son was deployed, one of my grandchildren were having, was having trouble at school. So I got a picture printed of him and daddy. And I told the mom, take that to the school, tell the teacher to let him have it on his desk because the, his behavior was kind of slipping. And I thought, if you can see your dad on your desk, you're going to remember that relationship that you have with your dad. So finding ways like that to, to think of creative ways to encourage them. Yeah. And so there's so many ways now with technology that all of us could do. Vacation together. I've done that. Make some Sunday family time. I don't live close enough to do that. I get them for the whole weekend start a cousin's camp. I'm going to do that. I love That's that. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I love that idea. Take a grandparents trip, but I guess same vacation. Uh, make your home grandchild friendly. Yes. I don't really want toys and a toy box in my living room, but it's so worth it. <laughs> you know, sometimes I walk past and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, if, I, if this wasn't here, it wouldn't look so cluttered. But, you know, I I'm glad it's there because of that. Create a grandkids fund, do projects together, 
we got the chance for Christmas, we made chocolate-covered nuts, like those meltable chocolates, and we made greeting cards, but they were blank greeting cards on the inside, but on the outside, we used stickers and, and glitter and different things. And then we made a pack, like, maybe it had, like, get well, happy birthday, happy Mother's Day, I love you. And then we packaged them up and sent them to the relatives to use with their friends and family. So oh. that was so fun. We we loved that. You know, it's Christmas gifts from the grandkids. And I right. uh, take them to church. We do that. Use digital devices to connect. Not so much yet because they don't have cell phones of their own. So if we, so if we started talking to them, it would, you know, tie up mommy and daddy's phone. And they probably need to be on their phone doing something if they get a break from the kids. <laughs> so yeah. we, we don't do a lot of that yet. Mm. That's really a good list. And I think that in the era we live in, we have so many ways to keep in touch instantly, if you can think about it. I know yeah. you say you don't want to tie up your, your kids' phones with the grandkids talking, but we could even do like Zoom calls and things like that. Yeah. Can you remember growing up our grandparents had to make a long distance call and it would be so costly. Either that or they'd have to write letters and throw them in the snail mail, as we call it. <laughs> yeah, my grandparents didn't do that. I mean, they just, they were very old school. Like when you went there, they loved you. They made lots of food and they cried when you were leaving, but they, they didn't call us on the phone. I, I probably wouldn't have known what to say. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you were kids. Yeah. Well, I think that um, it's it's so good now that we, we can have all these ways just to keep connected. And I think that kind of even encourages us to keep connected with our grandkids. Like back in the day, really, they wouldn't call because it was really expensive. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Even and just to say hi or happy <laughs> birthday or whatever. And I, I think. In the old generation, they were so busy working. I mean, they just come out of the depression. So they were they were all about cleaning and working and what and now we have time for leisure. And I remember one day my little granddaughter and her brother were playing and talking and he rubbed against her leg. He said, Ew, you have hairy legs and he was, you know, kind of teasing her. And I didn't say I I might have said like hey leave her alone whatever but then later I called the mom when they were asleep and I said when I get her back I'd like you to seriously consider allowing her to shave her legs because I know that can be so painful for a girl and she's eight but she has such hairy legs she really has so you know could you help with that and she said well i've been wanting to but talk to your son so she answered the boat i'm like listen son you don't understand this but it's those kind of teasings that break a girl's heart and affects their self-esteem for the rest of their life the hairy legs or right. things like that so he's like i don't care i don't want to know about it <laughs> i'm like yeah obviously you care you must have said no to mama before so then that home her and mom had like a girl's day out. They went to Walgreens, took pictures in the shaving aisle. They got pink shaving cream and the razors and mom was going to help her shave. And it's just, I can't imagine my grandma being a part of an event like that, although she loved me dearly. 
it just wasn't the same. We weren't open about things like that. That's right. If my grandma talked about legs, it was like, hey, why are you wearing shorts? I can see your legs. <laughs> that, that's what my grandma said. Right. You know, like, good girls don't wear shorts. I'm like, I'm a good girl, grandma. I'm just like, yeah. I want to yeah. play outside with the brothers, you know, that's so right. <laughs> a whole different era, a whole different era. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I said this book has been awesome to read. And the fact that our series started with the author, Dr. Jim Burns, has been very special to me. I'm so glad he came alongside us and really gave us insight into why he wrote the book. And who he wrote it for, girls like you and girls like me and dads, like our husbands that just need to understand that we love our family, we love our kids, but we have to put our marriage in perspective and we have to put our relationship with Christ in perspective. So let me close this out in prayer. Father God, thank you for this amazing opportunity to, to just get to know you more, ourselves more, and to get some fresh new ideas of how to to just live in joy and to enjoy this empty nest time and to just be fulfilled in it through you. I ask that you would touch our audience, that you would give them hope for their lives, and you would send them good quality friends. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We covered so many topics. Of course, my favorite one is being a grandma. That's what I talk about all day long if somebody would let me. Whether you have grandkids or not, whether you're married or single, God still has a plan for you. And you've got this, mamas. Don't last Stuck on a stage